The Drum Candy Podcast is brought to you by Drum Factory Direct. What's up, everyone? Welcome into episode 15 of the Drum Candy Podcast. This is your host, Mike Dawson, and I'm coming to you from Drum Factor Direct in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This week, I'm sitting down with Aaron Gilbert Steele. He is currently based out of Nashville. He's born in New York City, and his career has taken him all over the country. He started in New York in the underground indie rock scene. Um, and then moved his way to LA. He got a gig on a TV show, uh, TBS's Drop the Mic TV show. And then eventually he moved his way down to Nashville where he's been um, transitioning from touring drummer to producer and songwriter. Uh, it's a great conversation. We get right into it from the beginning, kind of take the whole, we go the whole gamut of how he got started, how he ended up all around the country. Um, if you want to check out some of his work, check out the new, um, the latest, I guess it was last year, 2020, the Haley Williams record. She is the front person for the band Paramore. She put out a record last year with Aaron on it. The drum sounds and the playing are just spectacular. He's also worked with bands, a um, bunch of indie rock bands, Portugal the Man, he toured with them for a bit. Um, he's been in Fences. He's worked with Jose James, who I saw him play with live. That was incredible. They were playing the music of Bill Withers. Um, he played that stuff beautifully. So he's been... He's been a journeyman, um, really awesome career, sweet guy, very knowledgeable. So we kind of dig right in. So let's check it out. Here's Aaron Gilbert Steele. Yeah, man. Uh, it, it's funny. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. Let's, let's, uh, let's wait a minute. Get the what? Let's just start right there. Oh, uh, no, no, no. I'm just saying it's uh, uh, increasingly, especially after COVID, like or lockdowns or whatever. I've increasingly become more and more kind of like a lot of things, a lot of things don't matter as much, you know what I mean? So, um, mm, you got to go further than that. What yeah, does it yeah. matter? Like, I don't, I don't care as much about what I'm using or, or, um, uh, like now when I work on people's records, uh, like it does, I don't even care what drum set ends up there. Like I, mm -hmm. as long as like the snare drum is cool and I basically use the same cymbals all the time now. And it's kind of, and, and it's just like, depending on how I hit them, that's what the sound is. But it, it's very strange that like my outlook on that has changed. Like before I was like, oh man, I have things set up to do a certain thing and now i'm kind of like oh well i mean i can just make everything do the thing depending on how i muffle or tune instead how of how did covid do that um because i was working on i was working on stuff and i was kind of depressed <laughs> <laughs> and people would send me things and i'm like i don't want to change my drum set you know uh -huh. um and that's sort of what started that. But then after a while, I was like, I used to live like this back in New York. Like I would just show up to a studio and I would just bring a snare drum and cymbals mm -hmm. and uh, do, do the thing. And those records sounded great. But when I moved to LA, everybody convinced me that I needed to have like this, like kind of array of equipment. Um, and then there's like kind of a fetishization of equipment too. 
that's what it was all about <laughs> yeah no i know i know but it, you know but i do think that it's um i i do think it's important but i'm increasingly becoming more and more uh a believer that it's just more about the touch you know uh so do you think steve gad the secret to steve gad was he was just depressed and he used the same old beat up symbols and <laughs> snare drum for 30 years yeah probably <laughs> i mean you know i mean he probably was depressed for a good chunk of it and then you know then he was just like you know what let me stop doing coke <laughs> like no, i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry steve oh so what uh, is your your symbol set then uh it has been um basically since they came out the istanbul traditional jazz um mm -hmm. just like 22 inch ride 20 inch ride 14 inch hats that's sort of what's set up at the at like my studio uh actually my hats right now are <sighs> the 17 inch hats that i've been playing for like 15 years <laughs> but basically since i signed with istanbul like like in 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 last month was 14 years that i've been with that company which is oh. crazy I, I feel like an old man but are those the 17s i saw you using with yeah. um with Jose, yeah um yeah. they're they're like uh it's a uh sultan crash on top oh. and then on bottom it's uh they don't make it anymore or actually they, yeah they don't make it anymore but it, alchemy uh alchemy sweet crash okay so that's like um, a brighter heavier one yeah slightly yeah oh. I, I think that the closest thing to that they have to that is a exist power crash now okay um but i've been using like i mean I got the the first symbol that I got symbols that I got from Istanbul when I signed was a special edition jazz ride mm -hmm. and and a and a Sultan crash a 17 inch Sultan crash and then like maybe a few weeks later I was like hey can I just make can you give me another symbol to make this into a pair of the Sultan crash into a pair of hats? Like, what do you recommend to Scott over at a symbol? And that dude's a genius when it comes to symbols. Like he can hear things that are going to develop in the symbol. Mm. Like, I don't understand. He like, he'll, he'll, he'll send me a thing, a symbol and he'll be like, uh, it's a little bright right now, but like, uh, just play it for like three weeks every day or something. And it'll mellow out in these ways, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, and I and I usually I, I I usually don't take his advice, but when I do, I'm always like, you're right, you're so right, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Anyway, but uh, but since since I got those, I, I've uh, at least the 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 ride, the two rides uh, that I basically use is two big crashes and mm -hmm. rides I, I don't i i crash ride everything even even my hats um but uh i they basically have been my main staple on like basically every record i've been working on for the last uh i'd say about year and and uh 
the hats I use the uh, the same series hats a lot. Uh, but when I want to feel more like I guess me or specifically me on people's records, I will go back to the seventeens because they're that I just feel more comfortable playing big old hats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what is the kit you have set up? Uh, right now, uh, I'm doing some R&D stuff for Noble and Cooley. Okay. And uh, they have one of these uh, Tulip Union Series kits. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, to tell you the truth, it just sounds really great. Like, mm-hmm. um, like, like I opened it up and I was like, oh, okay, sounds great. Sounds like drums, but it's really easy to tune. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've kind of, I think I've gone through like a few different iterations of like what I was looking for in sounds. And uh, my current iteration is just uh, as much um, versatility from one thing as possible. So at least right now, what's set up uh, is the union kit with like kind of a shallower kick drum um it's a 12 a 22 inch kick drum that's 12 inches deep okay and 22 is like a rarity for me um but uh i usually use a 20 or a 24 it's like i need to commit (laughs) you know like interesting um uh 22 i'm always like ah man it's like it's non-committal so i feel like I'm I'm a I'm a 110% all or or nothing sort of person. So yeah, um, I'm like, yo, if I'm gonna go for that big bass drum sound, like, just give me something big. Or, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you can get a pretty huge sound out of a 20 as well. Um, but um, th- but this kit uh, sounds. I mean, the low end on it is really great. But when you tune it up, it sounds great too. So. Um, Right now, that's and then in the snare drum that I'm using, I switch between two at the moment, which is uh, Noble and Cooley, like Tulip, um, a solid shell snare, and um, and uh, Jenkins Martin, uh, uh, fiberglass snare that they're both eight by 14. Um, oh, eight by 14, big boys. Yeah. Yeah, big boys. Yeah, yeah. I don't peg you for a middle of the road. No, no, that's not my vibe at all. <laughs> like, yeah, like if I'm gonna play quiet, I'm play real quiet. <laughs> if I'm gonna play loud, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna beat the mess out of them drums. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, but yeah, so, so why like, an eight by fourteen? What does that uh, give you? It's it's uh, it's always kind of given me. Um, I like to tune really big drums higher. Mm. So it gives me a little bit more depth on, on the high tuning, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Um, At least, at least from like a little bit more body, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But, um, but the, yeah, I mean, I I think that um, as far as, at least that's what I've been playing as of late um but then you know like sometimes i switch out the snare drum a lot that's like the one thing that i do switch out kind of often um i when i have piccolos like i'll tune them really low Mm. (laughs) you know like Mm -hmm. it's like 
like uh my i have a cnc uh like maple poplar uh like that i i had them make a copy of a uh what is it a uh jazz festival mm-hmm. um like years ago and and so it's like four four by 14 and that is like the lowest tune snare that i have and it sounds fat but <laughs> but you know it's just funny that like that people will assume that i'm gonna that's gonna be like really high pitch but i'm mm. just like no nah, nope it's the opposite <laughs> so why do that is it is it because it makes it faster but you can get it lower exactly yeah and and it makes it fa- faster you can get it lower and also because of the uh shell depth um it doesn't take all that time in order to get the response from the snares if that makes mm-hmm. sense um i i think i'm a i'm more of a fan of short sounds than i am of like really long ones mm-hmm. although i've been really getting into overtones recently which is not something that i really did in the past you know um especially in when i'm playing like more um quote unquote jazz oriented or improvised stuff um uh uh, that's something that I've just like noticed within the last couple of days, but, um, but besides oh, really very recent. Yeah. Very recent. Yeah. I mean, mainly because of that noble and coolie snare, like, I uh, I had it open for the first time, uh, just by mistake. I was, I was playing, uh, I was, I was, uh, working out some stuff for a, uh, for a couple gigs that I have coming up that is, uh, uh, more improvised and I was playing my little bop kit and uh uh I was like oh yeah like well these are tuned up uh let let me see what the drum the snare drum sounds like and I was like whoa okay maybe I just want to do this all the time but <laughs> but then I'm just kind of like ah whatever like <laughs> like then then I'm just like ah that mind that thought got into my mind and I was just like ah, but it doesn't matter <laughs> you know, like that's kind of where I get to. <laughs> like it's like kind of nihilistic. Like, ah, but it doesn't matter at all. You know? Yeah, nothing matters. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, as far as uh, gear goes, that's kind of what's at least what's currently happening um, for me. So I, this is I, your your new place in Nashville. Yeah, yeah. I'm living out in uh, Madison, Tennessee, like slightly east of East Nashville. Okay um and yeah uh so i'm extremely lucky that i have like this little room in my old place i had like another spare bedroom that was a lot smaller Mm -hmm. um but um i got some pretty good sounds out of there uh and in here uh like over over the last couple years i've uh, gotten way quicker and a lot more um, discerning about getting sounds mm-hmm. uh, in a space. And I realized that you can kind of, like every space has their vibe. So, um, and that's when you find what that is. I think that you should spend a lot of time trying to figure out what that is. But uh, 
that's the thing that you should accentuate whenever you're sending stuff to people. It's like, mm-hmm. oh man, like, yeah, like this, this is what makes this space, space unique, you know? Um, so what have you found in that room? Uh, in this room, there's a kind of like this crazy low mid bump, like kind of just like right at the end of where that piano is. Like, mm-hmm. um, and that thing sounds crazy in like a, in a really good way. It's, um, so like when, uh, whenever I, I put a mic up, just like, like a ribbon, mic, just like right around there. And, uh, depending on like the tune, I'll move it around a little bit. Um, but that often ends up being like the bulk of the sound, um, depending on, you know, what project I'm working on. I mean, I do give close mics as well. Um, but, uh, but when I'm in the, in the last couple of years, I've been doing a lot of production work. So, um, when I'm working with people and I'm in charge of the thing, the sound, uh, I, I rely heavily on like more of the color mics than the close mics. Mm. So like maybe like uh, what I affectionately call the dick mic. Yeah, like center of the kit. It's I usually use actually I'll show you this right now. Hold on one sec. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I usually use, uh, it's like Dr. Alien Smith. Like, I think it's called the dirt mic. It's got, oh, okay. It's like a harmonica mic or something. Yeah. With a distortion unit in it. Uh, but, but, uh, I use that as like my center center of the kit mic. And then, like I said, I have a ribbon off to the side and I also have like a telephone. That's kind of like my mics are all down right now because I'm, I'm going to tear down my studio again, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, but I usually use like a telephone, mic, kind of like, uh, facing up at the kit, at the, uh, from the lower left, l- lower right corner. Um, and, and then I use like the kick and snare. Like mm. that's like where a lot of the sound comes from, just for, depending on, you know, it changes very drastically with the songs, but, um, but like, that's like the thing that I gravitate more. It's a little bit crunchier, mm. um, pretty, pretty low fi but also works in a lot of pop, uh, formats. Um, I mean, especially when you're pairing it with like programming, you're, you're usually just trying to like add. At least, at least in my situation, you're, I'm usually trying to add like air and breath to programming that's happening in a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, like a sense of movement because a lot of that stuff doesn't move at all. So, um, well, one of my questions was, what does it mean to be a producer in 2021? You're kind of already going that, answering that for me. Oh, uh, well. Uh, there are several different kinds. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who just make beats. Uh, I do that sometimes, but I, uh, for me, 
I view myself as like a producer in a sense, in like the classic sense, old seventies, mm-hmm. like, Hey, like show me your songs. And then we're going to try and find the best way to tell this story. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like I, I was working with artists recently where they showed me a uh, demo of their tune. It was just like acoustic. And it sounded like a regular old Americana tune. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I took it and because the song was talking, there was a lot of urgency in the song talking about how um, they're trying to convince their partner or somebody that I'm, they're never going to leave them in the song. But but it seemed like that they were in, in the verse, it seemed like there was a time frame before this person left them because they were anticipating something so basically i i i i made it go from like an americana thing into like kind of like this weird like car chase <laughs> like oh, uh, interesting driving thing because it kind of um because because i was trying to accentuate the the fact that there was a that there was a time frame that you needed to convince this person that you still you were still involved and still love them. You know, that was kind mm. of like, I, I, that's kind of how it, it worked in my head. But what, but then it turned out, I was like, oh man, this is kind of sick. Cause they even, even did a different thing than I was expecting, but it actually ended up framing the song in a way that everybody was happy with. So, um, what did you start yeah. with? Uh, what I, what I actually started with was, um, Tom's, uh, on that song, uh, I, I made a Tom loop that was just like just the whole time. And then I just played a kind of like semi drum and bass groove over it. But mm. um, actually, the very first thing I started with is I had the artist uh, sing in my living room, uh, just guitar and vocal uh, as if it were just going to be a regular Americana song in order to kind of trick people at the beginning of the song, <laughs> but you know, this person's transitioning out of, uh, kind of American world into a, into a different thing. So, uh, and, and the idea is like not to completely alienate everybody that has been listening to them. So, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, yeah. So like, at least that's where I started. Um, and then we use a lot of the crunchy mics for that, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and then I ran a bunch of stuff through a bunch of really cheap things that people love, like a SP404 or, you know, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> so when do you decide or what cues you that you need to program versus perform something? Mm, the intention behind it. So if, uh, it's not necessarily like that I need to, like, if I, if I'm going to do like, sometimes what I'll do is if I, if I want it to have more of a human feel and I want program sounds like 808s or whatever, I'll just perform it on a real drum set and just trigger it, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and some people think that like, oh, like I programmed that. 
but I'm just like, no, like there's no way I could have programmed that because it feels like way too, it's like moving around all over the place, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, if I'm trying to, if I'm programming something, uh, more, if I want it to be very robotic, like that's, that's when I decide that I'm going to actually program something. Um, or if I'm trying to make something a little generative. So, um, something that kind of is a long pattern that just like repeats over like i don't know an odd number of bars i'll i'll program that and then i'll play uh something organic on top of that in order to uh sort of make it feel a little bit more ambiguous Mm. um but that but it's all by case by case basis it's um like like it depends on genre too like if i'm working with a hip-hop artist more often than not i'm gonna program stuff unless i'm going for like a 90s vibe and then i will play a bunch of stuff run it through an old sampler then layer it layer like certain aspects of it with with uh uh programs that sounds but that's that's like uh that's just more like hunting for like what is the thing that's most compelling for the song it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily like i don't have like a oh i do this just because it's this style of music it's like not necessarily uh it doesn't necessarily work that way for me um just because the best thing the the best music at least in my opinion is things that kind of throw out the rules most of the time Mm -hmm. so if if uh like everybody's done everything in specific genres now so like now you have to just grab from other things at least for me that's that's the thing that excites me the most is that um i'm i'm lucky that i've been able to play so many different kinds of music and i that i enjoy playing so many different kinds of music so that's given me and I listen to so much stuff from various different genres, various different artists that I'm able to like, you know, I'll be in a, on a pop session. I'll be like taking from a Jim Black show that I saw at the Stone like 10 years ago, you know, and people are like, <laughs> where does that idea? Oh, that's crazy. You know, that sort of thing. And I'm just like, oh, well, it's just, you know, it's this dude. He was my hero when I was a kid. <laughs> You know, yeah, still is my hero out. now. Yeah, yeah, you should <laughs> check him out. Yeah, and then they're like, "Oh man, this is weird." I'm like, "Yeah, I know, but that's where I got that idea from." <laughs> you know, still my hero. Are, are you still? Are you constantly like researching, investigating, looking for new music? Uh, n- not in the same way as I used to be. Um, but I do. Um, I I ask a lot of people to give me uh recommendations often mm-hmm. and you know for as much as uh this company is sort of the devil uh spotify's uh like like recommended for me uh the algorithm that they have is like kind of on point so i find like new things often through my discover weekly um yeah so i, I at least for me it's been like really good but 
But also, yeah, I mean, you know, like I listen to really weird stuff. So, it's, it's a, <laughs> yeah, you've sent me some stuff before. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like I listen to such weird music. And, you know, like I, I can compartment, I'm, I can compartmentalize things that I like about it. So it's like not, it's not necessarily like, oh, the whole piece is great. But like, it's like, oh man, I really love this one rhythm that's happening in this. Or uh, more often than not, I think the whole piece is great. But, but uh, I don't, uh, but I, I also listen to music in, for parts of things, um, not necessarily just because the whole thing is up my alley. Mm. Um, now, was that a result of, of your upbringing? Were you checking out classical music at an early age, or how did you get into this different music? Uh, I grew up in New York, man. Like, yeah. you know, like everything was kind of happening at once. And I have to really credit... Um, Kenny Grahowski, he's a, he's a drummer who lives in New York. He plays with it, Secret Chiefs and uh, does a lot of stuff with John Zorn. Um, his grandfather's Bobby Cruz, so he has a bunch of Grammys from like playing on like a lot of like those old Latin records. But he taught me how to play drums. And one of the things that he told me kind of early on is like, you should listen to as much music as you can because there's always something to learn from it, you know? Um, and that was like a really, that was a really big deal for me. Um, and you know, like, and that being said, like, uh, I was one of those kids that I was like, I wasn't really allowed to listen to, um, secular music. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I, I grew up in church and my parents are pretty strict. Uh, so like, every night I would be making mixtapes on like, you know, like very like secretly, like it would go from, uh, you know, early Nas stuff to Metallica being the next thing mm -hmm. to Rick Astley, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> it was like the weirdest mixtapes ever, but, um, you get that from the radio or you're like borrowing from the radio yeah okay and then and then uh it was it was a lot from radio and then at a certain point i started going to norm's music in like uh lower east side of manhattan um which i think now it's in williamsburg but um i i started going there and then i i, I got really 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 into into punk uh, kind of like early emo stuff mm. uh just uh, at the drive-in uh, I, I bought their album in casino out and it changed my life. Um, because it kind of made me understand that music was in like an emotional thing. It wasn't just like shredding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, even, I mean, growing up in church, like you, you connect emotion with shredding, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Like the more intense things are, the more, notes are being played mm -hmm. uh but i learned from like a lot of uh punk bands or hardcore bands that actually the space that happens like from the breakdown like that can make things really intense mm -hmm. um and then in turn like i start like weirdly uh because i listened i ended up listening to a bunch of punk bands i ended up going, getting into a lot of americana stuff because a lot of those people 
in those worlds ended up making a lot of Americana records, which is like very like, you know, like, uh, I forget the, I think it was the dude from like Alexis on fire ended up doing color into shape. Right, right, right. I think, I think that was it. But like a lot of those people were like, oh, like I want to do like more of a, more of a Bob Dylan sort of mm-hmm. thing. And then I ended up like kind of like getting into a lot of that stuff. But at the same time, I was still listening to, I was still going to see Jim Black at the Stone. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it was like, and then my brother is like a big hip hop dude. So I, I, he's an incredible drummer, great producer. Um, uh, his name is Daniel Steele. He plays in a band called King's Kaleidoscope. Um, but he came up listening to nothing but underground hip hop. And, and for me, and like, because he was a record collector and stuff like that, um, he was always like, he was always sampling off of like old classical records and like, Mm-hmm. Uh, like you know one of my favorite composers is Arvo Park and his I think that I found him kind of early and realized that his sense of harmony like really resonated with me but I don't know um, now we got into a rabbit hole yeah, <laughs> wild so I did have a question here growing yeah. up in New York how do you even deal with being a drummer like i like mm. you had drums at home did you have to go somewhere to play i mean how does one I did, I, I, yeah, a drummer? I, did, I didn't have drums at home um uh there's drums at my church mm-hmm. and that was kind of the only time i got to play even though it, it wasn't that often at a certain point um uh, especially early on like so i'd say that um i didn't really get my first drum set until I had to go on my first tour. And um, that was actually pretty crazy. But that being said, like, you know, when you play in church, you have to sort of get good really quick in order to stay on the seat, if that makes any Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't necessarily that I had to get like, really chopsy really quick, but more of, I just had to make stuff feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, also the other drummer at my church was my brother at first. So, mm-hmm. uh, at a certain point he stopped going to church and then I just ended up becoming a drummer. Then he came back and then I ended up going to another church. It was like a whole thing, but what you got, uh, <laughs> um, then, yeah, it, it was like, there's, there's like levels to it, but, um, but then, uh, even for a while I quit playing drums, um, mm. and, uh, I, I like started to focus my life on being, I was a break dancer for years and no kidding. I, yeah. Like my sense of time, I think comes from the time that I took away from the drums and just was dancing. So nice. I, I feel things in very small, I, I feel things in very small beats, uh, normally, um, just because of kind of trying to keep track of like, motions in dancing mm. um but uh but if but if i didn't spend those years dancing like my beat would be way wider <laughs> than it mm-hmm. is now but that but you know like i noticed that in other people um i was doing an imp- improvised gig last night with uh my friend ross McReynolds. he's another drummer here in nashville and his beat is like way wider than me 
And like, I was like, no, like we were like playing and I was like, whoa, you're feeling that way differently. Like, and it's cool because it's like, uh, we just have a difference of perspective. Like everyone does, like mm -hmm. he knows who he is in on the instrument. And that's like such a big thing. Like when, like everybody's trying, everybody trying to be the same version of the same thing, like blows my mind. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, when somebody really knows himself and then they dig into it, like, I don't know, a good version of that is Jay Bellarose. Like, mm -hmm. um, I t I've talked to him about it before and he was like, yeah, like people hated my stuff for a long time. And then one day people were like, Oh, like, Oh, you played on that thing. Oh man. Uh, you want to play on my thing? Like, oh, yeah. Right. You know? And then it be, and then, then it went him being a thousand percent himself became a thing. Mm -hmm. And then, they are a bunch of not i wouldn't call them copycats i say there are a bunch of people who really admire his thing and then they think that the way to do to to basically people think that they have to do the same thing in order to to kind get of to that level get yeah. to that level but i but i kind of think it's the opposite it's just like learning as much about yourself as possible and learning about what you really love instead of just ganking somebody's thing. Mm -hmm. And you can take, you can take things like you're always, everybody's always taking something, but I don't know, like this got into a broader conversation. So. <laughs> that's, that's what it's all about. Forks Drum Closet, Nashville's full line drum store. Celebrating its 40th year in business, Forks is independently owned and operated in the heart of Music City. Specializing in drums and percussion, Forks offers great discounts on all major brands and will beat any retailer's advertised price. From new and used equipment, vintage drums, and marching and orchestral instrument, Forks has something for every drummer. They also offer professional rental, repair, and restoration services, as well as drum lessons. Stop by their storefront at 308 Chestnut Street in Nashville, Tennessee, or call 615-383-8343, or go online at ForksDrumCloset.com. I mean, do you think not having access to drums in the beginning fostered your creative imagination for rhythm? Were you just like thinking about drumming more than like actually having sticks in your hands? I, I think that actually might be a thing. Um, but I, I, I definitely wasn't, um, I wasn't as obsessed with it as a lot of people are early on. Mm. For me, I became more obsessed with it after because uh, basically I went on tour I was in a band in high school that wasn't like crazy but it was um, I and the only reason I kind of ended up in that band was because that my friend was like yo um, like I know you play drums I've seen like drumsticks at your house like our drummer just quit our band. Can you play drums for these shows? And I was like, I don't play drums anymore. Like, it's cool. Mm -hmm. And then he was kind of like, just play a few shows. And then I ended up playing with that band for years. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like one of these things that after I was on tour with them and, and uh, doing it for a while, like I realized that I fell in love with it. And, and it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, like, how do I do like the band broke up and I was like, how do I do this? But not be in a band because I was I was uh, 
I was a little fatigued from that situation. Uh, and then everybody told me I had to go to school and that was like the worst decision I ever made. But, <laughs> but for me, um, cause I, you know, like growing up in New York, I could have just taken lessons with literally anybody and it would have mm-hmm. like cost me way less money. But, um, but I mean, before I went to school, I took lessons at Ari Honig, you know, mm. it's like just to get my chops up in jazz world because I was playing in a hardcore band before that, <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> you know? Um, but luckily, um, luckily I, I had access to like Kenny Grahowski, um, who steered me in a very, uh, what is it? Um, in a good path because <clears throat> he, he plays all kinds of, all different kinds of music and, you know, uh, crushes all of it. And it's not because he doesn't sound like himself. It's, it's literally because of he, he is himself and it just works in a lot of context. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's one of the biggest things that I, uh, I learned from him. It's like, you don't, you don't have to do one thing, you know? Um, I mean, if you don't want to, a lot of people just want to do one thing and that's okay. Yeah. But, right. Yeah. So uh, what pulled you from New York to move West? Uh, Hurricane Sandy. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. yeah. I was, um, I was working mm, sort of, uh, I, I moved to LA because I had didn't really understand. I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm in New York. Things are cool. But like, you know, like people keep telling me that LA has all like all the stuff and I moved there. I got a pretty big gig. I hated it. Moved back to New York. And then, um, I just started playing with a bunch of my friends bands and they were all like these cool, like indie electro bands and stuff like that. Um, and because I was playing with them and doing a bunch of Ableton stuff, I started to get hired in LA to do that because there was at the time, uh, no one in LA knew how to run Ableton. Mm, okay. Uh, uh, so not, not no one, but very few people. Um, and I've sort of been using it since version six, something like that. So kind of a long time. Uh, and then, um, I got hired to play with an artist and while I was rehearsing with them, Hurricane Sandy happened and, uh, kind of destroyed my apartment. Uh, but then I went on tour with them for a few months and, uh, uh, and then went on tour with another artist for a few months after that, had to come back to LA to rehearse with that first artist. Mm. And that, by that point I was gone for a while and I was like, might as well get an apartment. You know, mm. so, you know, if I'm going to be here, uh, and I'll get an apartment for a year. And then I ended up there for like seven. So, okay. <laughs> you know, so that's how, that's how, uh, how I ended up there. And I was like, I, I, I hate LA. So, so, so. <laughs> I, 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 I like, uh, I like working there, uh, but I hate living there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't imagine from downtown New York to LA being a comfortable no. switch. Oh no, no way. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a huge culture shock. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. What does it mean running Ableton? Like you were one of the few people that knew how to run Ableton, like live, like running it on gigs or yeah, running stuff? it on gigs. Yeah. Okay. Because, uh, when I got, I was getting called by a lot of people to downsize their band basically. 
So mm-hmm. I was I was one. I was either the only band member or I was one of like two people. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and that that sort of started at a certain point, and like I was like, that's what I was doing, mm-hmm. and, and that's like all I was doing for years. Um, and it was like driving me insane. And then actually about when I joined Portugal, that was like the first time I was playing with like people again, mm. um, which is kind of nuts, you know? Um, and I love, I love playing electronic music, but like it ended up being a thing where people were hiring me to do like the Ableton backing tracks, build the, build the sets and all this stuff. And their music required people. Mm-hmm. And it didn't make any sense that they were trying to downsize in this way. I was like, you just need a band. If you just had a band and just played this, it would be eight times better. Mm. Uh, so I just started saying no. And then I eventually got called by the Portugal dudes uh, just to be in the band. And I, there's like no click or anything in that band. So I was like, what? This is great. <laughs> you know, you know um, uh, I'm really grateful to those guys for that, um, actually, for that time period. But um, because like they, they kind of got me out of a weird musical depression, um, <laughs> at that point. But yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, but it, that's, that's, people were just hiring me to do that. And technically people call it an MD now, but, um, yeah. they didn't really give me that, uh, title. <laughs> yeah. Drummer with a laptop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They were just like, oh yeah. Like, uh, there's somebody else who's MD. I was like, oh, well, I'm doing all the chopping and all this stuff. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. So then what took you from LA to Nashville? Um, I definitely wanted to leave LA and, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> this is kind of, so I had a loft, uh, in downtown LA, um, me and my girlfriend and, uh, we had a big flood and from a rainstorm, we were visiting, we were in New York. Like every time my place gets destroyed by water, I'm like gone. So, <laughs> so yeah, I know it was nuts. My friend was like cat sitting for us. And, uh, and there was like a big rainstorm in LA and we had like a leak that we had been asking our landlords to take care of for like eight months. And then, but they didn't take care of it because like it never rains in LA. But this one time that I was in New York, like visiting my family, uh, me and my girlfriend were gone and then crazy rainstorm. It like flooded our entire loft. And like my uh, friend who was, um, uh, cat sitting for us, like was, she just sent me a video of like her pouring out water from like my WFL kick drum, you know, oh. <laughs> you know I was oh. like, no, <laughs> I was like, you know, I was like, <sighs> crazy. Anyway, it, uh, so, uh, they moved us into a different unit in the building. And in my lease uh, agreement, it was like, yeah, like, um, you can work from this time to this time at the, at the place. But when they moved this into a different unit, um, even though it was a part of my lease, uh, the, the, the new, there was a new building manager because the old building manager left, uh, the building. This is a really long story. <laughs> left the building because, um, because of the way that the, uh, the company who owned all the stuff treated us like because mm. they didn't want to pay for a lot of the stuff that was damaged it was like it was yeah, a whole yeah. bunch of things anyway but um new building manager came to me while i was in the middle of a session and he was like you can't you can't play uh, and i was no. and i was like 
well, actually, it's a part of my lease. This is this is like literally why we moved here. Um, mm-hmm. It's not our fault we're in this unit. You guys put us here after like you guys after you were negligent and mm-hmm. destroyed a bunch of my stuff. So and they're like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Well, you can't do that anymore." And I'm just like, "There with an artist, you know." Um, and luckily, this person was my friend. Uh, a lot of luckily, a lot of the artists I work with are my friends. But um, but um, he was like, "Oh, uh, he was on the phone with another friend of ours." He's like, uh, I think Aaron's moving out of LA right now. You know, <laughs> like, like right like, now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I like called my girlfriend and I was like, Hey, I love you. I think I'm going to move to Philadelphia, like in a couple weeks. Uh, and then, uh, she got headhunted for a job here in Nashville and, oh, okay. she, and she was like, Hey, like, um, these people, this company called me and, um, may, maybe you want to try Nashville. And I was like, oh, I got some friends there. Let's see if it works. And, you know, we've been here for, three and a half years mm-hmm. and it's it's been cool you know own a house now which i never thought i ever would um you know growing up sort of like in the projects <laughs> you, know, you, you don't think that that's gonna happen at some point but but it, but it does that's uh, amazing which is really, really it's, you know i'm really um really grateful yeah um, were you able to learn all these transitions were you still working with the same artists or was it always different artists uh, that remove uh, I have somehow, um, it's different artists, um, but they're not ever, for some reason, they're not mainly based wherever I live. People mm. kind of, uh, see me as a person who kind of can be anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how I created that, but, um, I'm grateful for it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, cause you know, like I basically, I think I, I think early on I was kind of like, Hey, if you need me, just call me. And then like, I'll show up. Mm. Like, I, I don't like, cause I, I'm not severely tied to, um, like for example, in Nashville, I'm not a part of the Nashville music community. Like, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't really play on country stuff. Um, not really. I mean, I do some country sessions, but like, that's pretty rare. Um, I'm kind of more a part of the indie rock community here, which is cool, but that, that's, that's also, um, because of, um, my, fr- like when I was in Portugal, I toured with Cage the Elephant a bunch and, uh, mm-hmm. I played on Haley Williams record and that situ those two situations are my friend circle here. So mm-hmm. it's, so, um, that, and that ends up being more on the rock, like, like rock side of things and and more more on the like alternative rock side of things and all of their friends are more on like the indie side of things and like that ends up being like and also like those are people that i really love like Mm -hmm. like they're like really good friends so i end up just playing with my friends here but uh, but then people are like oh man who's this guy like we've never like, what are you trying to do in town? And I'm like, I'm good, man. Like I have a career. It's like, you know, like, like, are you a live guy, studio guy? I'm like, I'm good. I don't, I don't like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like, Oh, you don't fall into the the networking game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially here, like, cause I, you know, I don't really care to, and not, not because I think that it's, um, not because I think like, I don't think it's valid to do that, but I, I think, I'm not 
your typical uh, drummer who just wants to be on whatever gig. Mm. I kind of care. I care about what I'm doing. Not to say that people don't, but people will, a lot of drummers will take gigs because it's a gig and it pays money. Mm-hmm. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I can't do that because you could see my disdain on my face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to do the best job for whoever I'm working with. And the, be- the w- way I can do that is by being totally down with mm-hmm. the music and the people. So, uh, and the best way to do that for me is just not taking stuff that I don't like. And mm-hmm. um, the doing the networking thing just to get a call for whatever uh, doesn't make any sense to me. Like, if I like an artist, I'll go to that artist show and I'll, and if I want to play with an artist, it's like really, I don't, I don't really, um, Luckily, I have like credits now, so like I can be like, "Hey, man, I like really dig your stuff. Like, maybe we could work together on something." Mm-hmm. And more often than not, now like I'm like, "Yo, let's let's get together and like, let's write some music together." That's mm-hmm. kind of more. I mean, I'm doing a lot of that now. So, um, but that being said, it's uh, it's just really. I I think that we as musicians do a disservice to ourselves by playing on stuff that we don't like and then we perpetuate the thing that we don't like we give that more of a of a um, platform than the things that we actually believe in mm-hmm. i've gotten to where i'm at in life because i've believed in my friends and they all ended up becoming successful and it wasn't because i have more talented friends than other people it's because i believed in them and then those breaks just happened because people were trying to prop them up because mm-hmm people believed in them. Um, and I, and I was just one of those many people. Um, and then my career is like tangentially connected to all these different artists that, um, that I thought and still think are great. So, um, I, I kind of implore people to like, just believe in their friends that they think are super dope and just keep working with them. Because mm-hmm. if you're there with them from day one, why would they ever like be like ah man this like especially if especially if you're like killing it on their gig because you care so much you know Mm -hmm. um yeah especially nowadays because like everybody wants to be a musician and whatever like then i'm like if you're gonna do that then do it for something that you believe in because like what's the point of doing something you hate within the thing that you love it just doesn't make any sense yeah, but so that's what almost everyone falls into that trap. Yeah. You got to make money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, that, and that's true. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Like, I grew up with not very much money. So I know that you can survive, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and there are moments where I don't make much money. And then, like, something comes along that's like, oh, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, oh, okay, great, you know. But, um, but, but I think that for me, at least that, that this happens, um, because, um, people know that I believe in the things that I'm going to be doing and that I'm going to, that I'm going to crush on their gig because mm-hmm. like, because I believe in it and 
I have the skill set to do it. But mm-hmm. um, I'm, that sounds a little vain. But you know, you know what I mean. Oh, and yeah, no, that's just the truth. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, what gear? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Made, go ahead. Made the trip around the country with you? Anything, or do you leave stuff behind and start over? No, uh, actually, like this is really funny. Um, I I had a habit of wherever I landed, I just got a new drum set mm-hmm. back in the day because I was like, oh, well, I, you know, I used to play in this band called Fences and we made a record in Seattle. I bought a drum set in Seattle uh, just because like, I was like, oh, well, I can't really, I can't really ship my drums. I guess I'll just get a drum set here. And I left it there for like years. <laughs> and then uh, in New York, uh, uh, anyway, but what, that being said, I, when I moved to Nashville, I basically, and I, and I, we, I got a house instead of like a, a loft or an apartment. Um, I ended up like uh, getting all of my stuff from everywhere <laughs> and mm. then just bringing it here. And uh, now I'm going to uh, probably sell all of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for the, yeah, to tell you the truth, but uh, but uh, the one thing that has stayed with me since the beginning of the relative beginning of my career is a '71 Ludwig kit that was my only kit for a long time. Uh, it's a 221316 uh, and a and a '61 26-inch marching bass drum that is. Mm. And it's all like old white, the like the, not like the current version of White Marine Pearl. It's like the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kit sounds incredible. And it's on so much stuff, so many things that I've worked on, so many records. But um, right now it's in a closet and I haven't really touched it in a while. But that being said, like I, I'll never get rid of that kit because it, it was for the longest time, it was the only drum set I owned. Mm-hmm. Um, did that start in New York? Where did that you get started it? in New York. I bought it at Main Drag Music. Okay. Uh, for a thousand dollars, and uh, John, who was one of the owners at Main Drag, he uh, it was like really messed up. Basically, uh, somebody had caved in the top of it, mm. uh, and he repaired it by. Um, I guess like separating the, like steam heating the whole thing and like separating the plies and then putting like a metal bar inside in order to like repair the shell. Um, and I think it's like kind of one of the best sounding like, or like pre um, it's one of the best sounding Ludwig kits that I've heard. Um, and uh, I'm really grateful to own it because like I've left it. I used to leave it at a studio in New York. And, and when I took it back, they were like really bummed. Like they're just <laughs> like, everyone, everyone uses this kit. They have a bunch of kits. So it was like, everyone uses only this one. And I'm just so, like, so you left that when you went to LA, you left it in New York. Yeah. I left it in New York. Yeah. Okay. And then when I, when I like, at, at that point I was a CNC artist. So when I moved to LA, I, but I just took my first CNC kit with me, um, which is a copy of a, a, um, a sonar um, teardrop kit mm. um, that I, I like. I have a sonar tear like that. That's actually 
been with me everywhere. A sonar teardrop kit that I got. Um, it was like the second drum set I bought. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, that's been with me everywhere. It's here too. Um, but it's like set up with like hairy goatskin heads right now. Mm. Uh, but I like, don't play it at all. It's like in its cases right now. And I, you know, the more I, uh, you know, you know, the more I work on people's records, I'm like, you just want a good sounding kick drum. Mm -hmm. Great. <laughs> you know, like, you know, unless I'm <laughs> trying to do like a really esoteric thing, but I'll, but that's, that's more often than not like, uh, that that's like a sample day. I could, I could rent drums for that, mm -hmm. you know, but, um, I can dig it. So you're getting into that mode. It goes back to the beginning when you're like, just, this is my drum set. This yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, I don't, you know, like, especially because like a lot of stuff, like, unless I'm like doing, uh, uh doing like a real like metal thing or like, I, I don't like, I don't need like all this stuff. Mm -hmm. you know may maybe some accessories though mm. you know uh but yeah yeah uh like th that i'm trying to think of there's also this snare drum that's lasted with me a really long time ago hold on a second <laughs> 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 oh, my life dude all right, but can you see that? That's a snare drum. Yeah, it's a. It used to be a tom. But, it's uh, like a thirteen. <laughs> it's a fourteen by okay. ten. It's a fourteen by ten. Uh, a fourteen by ten. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> That's an analogy for my life. Um, <laughs> it's a 14 by 10, um, uh, rat tom that, um, from, it's like a pearl fiberglass shell okay. that uh, John from main drag made me basically around the time that he sold me that Ludwig kit. Mm -hmm. And that's been with me everywhere. And I, I use it all the time. It's, uh, although like uh i gotta get it repaired because uh the inserts on the lugs on one of them broke because i tuned it too tight because i'm an idiot mm. but that's that's an easy repair what was uh, the first snare drum that you bought first snare drum that i bought mm, precision drum company okay uh just like a maple maple snare drum six ply maple with uh with like yamaha style wood hoops on it okay because i really wanted to be billy cobham at a certain point all right <laughs> you know panamanian panamanian drummer i'm panamanian so uh yeah um i just really like the side stick with those wood hoops are is really nice but it got really dark i'm sorry <laughs> uh yeah with those wood hoops is kind of nice uh uh but yeah so th yeah that was the first snare drum i bought and then um this may be the second snare drum i bought mm. um you don't have many metal drums i do i have a lot okay everything you talked about has been wood or fiberglass yeah um 
I have a Q copper. That was mm-hmm. like my main snare drum for a while. Um, I play often a 65 uh, Slingerland, I mean, a 65 Ludwig Superphonic. Mm, okay. Um, it's so ratty. It's like mm-hmm. the, the steel is, I mean, it's it, like the chrome is all pitted and stuff, but but that's that's the drum that I left in LA. That's that's the drum that I usually leave in LA because um, I, I have my old CNC kits in LA, and uh, I leave a set of cymbals and that snare drum normally. But I had to uh, take it with me to. I, I played Lollapalooza recently, and mm. um, I had to take it with me to Lollapalooza, so um, it's with me now. But when I go back to LA, I'm taking it back um, just because it's like that snare drum just works on everything. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that or like an acrylite, they just both work on everything. So uh, I keep I keep that uh, usually in LA. Um, but um, that um, what else? What, what other? I have like a Noble and Cooley alloy, alloy classic. Uh, I have a Nickelover brass CNC. Um, mm-hmm. I have the very first one that they made. Um, or uh, yeah serial number number one for that one i have uh what else do i have um as far as metal snare goes um yeah i have a bunch of acrylites yeah Uh, i have a black relight i have a i have a cnc version of acrolyte i have a yeah the six and a half reissue uh, I don't have the six and a half reissue, but I, I was thinking about getting it a while ago. And then I was just like, why am I doing this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that, that was kind of the thing. And I, I also, I have like, um, what, what is it? That pork pie BOB. The yeah. Black, yeah, yeah. I, I, like that snare drum is funny. Like for the longest time I was like using it, like just like out because it was like, oh, this is a simple snare drum to take out and mm-hmm. it just works. And everybody's like, what is that? And I'm like, this is the cheapest snare drum I own. Yeah. Like a $200 yeah, exactly. I mean, it sounds great. That's a testament to to what to what uh, Bill was doing over there. Yeah, honestly, yeah. you know, um, the thing is, like, you don't need expensive stuff in order to sound good. Actually, mm-hmm. sometimes it's the opposite. Like, like for me, I mean, you know, no shade on DW, but I can't I can't play a DW. It's like the notes are too long. Mm-hmm. Um, like and the kick drum. I can never get it to sound the way I want it to. So that's not, that's, and that's not necessarily like, you know, they got it to the, their desired specs, but Mm -hmm. for, for me, like it just doesn't work for anything I do personally, I can never Mm -hmm. get it to work. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, um, Man, that was like really specific. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, talking, I'm, talking, I'm talking about DW. I'm going to get way specific. I was listening to the Haley Williams record. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the snare drums you used on Simmer Down? Yeah, I do. Like um, three drums on that, right? Yeah. So on the the main snare is a Rogers satellite snare, which is okay. like kind of a pancake. Okay. Um. It, it, they were making some weird stuff in the 60s, uh, which is awesome. Uh, it, that snare drum belongs to Taylor, who produced the record. Okay. And uh, he has so many drums. It's crazy. And he is not a drummer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he plays guitar. He's, he, he has a lot of everything. Like, anyway, but yeah. um, 
that and then uh the that was the main snare drum the the low snare that um i'm pretty sure is panned to the left uh on the mix that is um a q plate brass uh eight and a half by 14. Mm. that's maybe the craziest snare drum ever like i haven't i haven't um bought one of those but uh like that that might be maybe one of my favorite snare drums ever um mm. like like that was on loan for that recording and i was like really i i should have should have just bought one but what you got but but i'm trying i'm trying to get out of that mindset like you know um and then uh and then uh the other and the and the, and the other snare drum is a early prototype of a one of those pancake drums uh that jeremy made uh from q made with rami from mm. anf like okay um and it, it's like a i think it's a 12 12 pancake yeah okay um, and uh i have it tuned up kind of high but everything is a little a little muffled on that situation yeah. but um but yeah it yeah uh like i and then the those are the snare drums the kick drum is a uh cnc travel uh tra traveling travel kick drum um mm -hmm. that taylor owned too and then old a hi-hats um and like an ohm ride like a 24 inch ohm ride damn you knew everything what beater were you using <laughs> uh, I, uh i was using a zorro <laughs> yeah i i took i took a picture of it and um somebody asked me about it pretty recently so like okay. that's why i remember all that <laughs> it's super distinct it's one of my favorite sounds i've heard dude ever, uh, honestly dude like uh um a lot of that has to do with carlos the guy who mixed it he's he's mm. a, he's a drummer um if you go if you go to his house like uh he has everything like literally <laughs> everything and um just specifically for drums like mm -hmm. he gets the best drum sounds and he makes a lot of records with elon uh rubin so okay yeah and he he's he's mixed um the last couple paramore records so but he's he's maybe one of my favorite mix engineers so like that on top of like getting some really good sounds he recorded everything as well as mixed it so yeah he's he's a nasty boy <laughs> <laughs> well we are at the end so what is in store for the rest of 2021 for you Mm, you're gonna 20, move where are you going <laughs> no no i'm not moving uh, at least not right now um uh 2021 uh i'm producing a lot of records and a lot of uh stuff is coming out in the next couple years uh next year and a half um so at the moment uh what's happening is that i'm just producing mm -hmm. uh records i got a really great opportunity uh pre-covid with uh this uh producer named uh, Tyler Johnson who did the last Harry Styles album mm. and uh we started working together um as uh he just started he was writing some stuff with the Portugal guys and he happens to live in Nashville and 
they were like, yo, you, uh, you should meet Aaron. And we ended up just working together on me playing drums on a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he told me one day that I was more valuable, uh, than just playing drums on people's records. And then he sort of started bringing me into productions and then awesome. It's been working out. So that's, that's what my life is kind of turning into. I'm still playing with people. Um, right now I've been playing a lot with an artist named Joy Olatican, who she's pretty great. Her songwriting is incredible. Um, and, uh, you know, and I'm just, I work on a lot of people's records, just playing drums too. So Mm -hmm. like it, I mean, obviously I can't talk about some of those, but, um, but uh, I'm really grateful to uh, for people wanting me to do my thing on their records. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, they literally just call me like, "Hey, can you just do your thing?" I was like, "Sick, yeah, thanks, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll do that." Perfect scenario. I, yeah. I need that. Someone, please call me and tell me to do your thing. Well, yeah, I, I man. Should probably define what the hell my thing is. For. Oh man, you you know, you got you got <laughs> you, you got some stuff. Man, come on, you know, you, I think you have a pretty 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 tight thing. <laughs> It's all over the place. It's a schizophrenic thing. It is, <laughs> oh, dude. What do you got? But that—that that is a language in itself, you know. Uh, yeah, you know. Anyway, well, but yeah, yeah, that's what's happening. Right on, man. Well, thank you so much. This has been a it went fast hour and ten minutes. Oh Imagine man, that. sorry, I'm a <laughs> sorry, I'm a babbler. <laughs> I think maybe no, we got to almost all my questions. I okay. didn't ask you about your solo track. Are you putting more solo music out or is that just a one-time thing? Uh, no, I, I am putting more solo music out, but uh, it's funny. Um, short answer, I got really annoyed with the process of putting out music by myself. Uh, but um, I do have I have an EP that's done. I just, uh, I just, I have like a lot of issues with promoting stuff on my own because I'm super ADD. Uh, but uh but i'm actually in the middle of like working on another ep that's um a tribute to chico hamilton um that uh but with like synthesizers and and simmons drums (laughs) dick uh but yeah but that that's gonna be a minute before that one comes out but um but the solo record will come out uh solo the first solo ep will come out pretty soon um probably probably by the end of the year Thank man. Well, thank you. Yeah, of course. Look forward to uh, touching base with you next year once all this stuff comes out. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, yeah, and also uh, thanks for having me on, man. Like it, 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 some, it feels really funny to be on drum podcasts and stuff like that, but but um, because I I don't see myself as a as a thing, but I really appreciate when it happens because I, I realize how much it weirdly means to me (laughs) 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 yeah yeah so thanks man well that's it for episode 15 please if you enjoy the show like and share it um and write write a review on itunes wherever you get your podcast that helps spread the word and we will uh back next week same time see you then have a good one and thanks for listening